0: Specialization has never been part of Steve Ilg's vocabulary. Whether biking, running, snowshoeing, skiing, or climbing, this world-class multi-sport adventure athlete has dominated the podium for more than 30 years. Find out why Outside Magazine dubbed him America's multi-sport mutant on this episode of A Tale to Tell. Okay, I'd like to welcome Steve Ilg to the podcast today. Hi, Steve. Namaste, Nova warrior. So what does namaste mean? Namaste is a way
1: that yogis tend to, it's kind of our version of hello or goodbye. And uh, it's a little more in-depth than hello and goodbye. It basically means uh, the shared space that we spend talking to each other is symbolic of unity. And we're not so
0: much You and I, but we are rather one. All right. Well, I appreciate that. So I feel very privileged and honored that you're here. You are arguably one of the greatest athletes on the planet, even though many people don't know about you, which we'll talk about in a moment. Um, You are a world-class multi-sport adventure athlete, uh, running, biking, skiing, climbing, snowshoeing. I know there's many more we could add to that, except... Water sports, except oh, okay. Yeah, except water
1: sports when it comes to water. I am, <laughs> I love it, but as long as it's frozen, it's frozen right? Okay. Then okay. I'm, I'm good. But swimming, um, <laughs> yeah, that's that's and I was never really attracted to uh the whitewater stuff, probably because uh I swim about as good as a brick, uh, so yeah, there are limitations. To well, all it's probably the, uh, good,
0: um. Outside Magazine called you America's multi-sport mutant. And uh, so I've got to ask you, are you a demigod? <laughs> because, man, you've done so much and continue to do so much, it's, it's, it's pretty mind-boggling. But, you know, I, I say that as a joke, obviously, But or I guess. Um, do, you, do you take that as an insult, being called a, a mutant? Uh, uh, I feel like
1: society is kind of mutated, not me. I grew up as a kid that just loved splashing through creeks and spending entire days, nights outdoors. The outdoors were my true family, much more much more so than my biologic family, really. I just felt such a kinship with
0: nature. Where did you grow up, Steve? junction creek road right here in oh. durango colorado no fooling i didn't know that Yeah, for some reason i thought you grew up in boulder yeah my
1: backyard was the entire san juan national Forest. um some of you listening might know where the uh colorado trail head is here in durango uh i my house was literally a stone's throw away from that and that this is at a time when there's only three houses out there wow um so, yeah, my, I attribute my entire uh, body of work, um, That's I, I attribute it to that beautiful,
0: beautiful childhood growing up with nature. So let's go back. Uh, here you are as a kid growing up in the San Juan Mountains of Colorado. And did you know or even think you had something special at a young age as far as, you know, Extra strength, extra flexibility, extra cardiovascular health. Was there ever a component where you went, "Wow, I, I, I have something here"? Or were you quite the opposite? I
1: struggled greatly in the first few uh, sports that I did, which was uh, cross country uh, running, um, Nordic and alpine skiing. I was always, you know, struggling to stay average in all those, uh, you know, introductory sports. But there is something spiritual about it for me. I sense that I was touching a higher side of myself when I, you know, did those things. You
0: sensed it back then at a young age. Yeah. So were you a
1: teenager? Uh, So I guess uh, formal training, I guess, with a coach at uh, cross
0: country would be uh, Dewa's age, about, you know, 12, 13 Dewa's age, meaning Dewa is your daughter. I'm sorry, yeah. That's okay. And she's how old? 13. 13, okay. So let's fast forward a little bit, not too far, obviously. You started doing cross-country, and you gradually got better. Did you start research? Did you have some mentors you followed? Or what? what allowed you to gradually get better? I really feel like
1: my first... Dawning of what I have called and created holistic fitness really began when I realized I wasn't that great of a cross-country skier, I wasn't that great of a Nordic ski jumper, but when you put the two together, suddenly I was like right there. I was right at the top of the sport, and um, that. I just love the dance of day one, fast, twitch, brave, launching. Now, Nordic ski jumping, for the listeners that might not understand, uh, it's a far cry from all the aerobatic terrain park tricks. No, all we did was we had a huge pair of uh, jumping skis, and we just launched off of a Nordic jump. A Nordic jump doesn't have a lip on it, so you have to time it from the in run right to your takeoff, and it's a very subtle skill set when you're traveling that fast on a pair of skis to hit that thing and then launch yourself, you know, into the abyss. I just loved everything about (laughs) it, and um, then I loved switching it up to the other physiologic side of the spectrum where you just suffer like a three-legged dog on the cross-country skis. Those of you that have cross-country skied, raced, uh, you know, the degree of suffering, the pain in there. I mean, it's really up there. So, um, I just love that physiologic dance of fast twitch, and then one day, and then slow twitch the next, and
0: um, yeah, I've always just been fascinated by the human capacity. So you started doing this, you started getting better at it, and then were you competing locally, and you know, regionally, and nationally? Yeah, Uh, junior national Nordic combined team.
1: Um, And then, I remember, I got really like, almost sad or disillusioned that, well, I could easily make the Olympics, all I got to do is keep doing the same thing, you know, but that would take like, back then I was like, that would take like three or five more years, I don't want to, you know, there's too many other fun things to do. Feel like you'd be missing out, right? Yeah. And um, it it boggles my mind now because you know in hindsight, of course, I would have you know, I specialized. Something, yeah. But that set up an entire life of never specializing. And my when I created Holistic Fitness in Boulder, Colorado, 1981, my first T-shirt had my logo on the front, and then on the back it said, "Holistic Fitness because specialization." Is for insects, <laughs> so I I don't know what it is. I'm just like really geeked out about um, dancing
0: to all the human capacities. So I know you're a big fan of five disciplines, which I, I think is is so important. Uh, I am of at least three yeah. of these five, but um, you know, strength, cardiovascular, nutrition, yoga, and meditation. And you really put those five together. is yes, what sir. gives yep. you that's your. What, yep your your five um i think it's really interesting and let so let's go back in time so you're in boulder uh it's 1981 you worked at a gym there yeah i actually saw a photo of you, you look like the bodybuilder so yeah. did you actually compete yeah or? third
1: place regionals <laughs> baby wow
0: um, yeah i did not know that it was just
1: brutally hard to get my calves up you know you either oh, have I, calves i know the don't. feeling and uh, I mean, I think back to those years of just trying to get a freaking millimeter of growth on my calves, yeah. just burying myself in these work and my legs in general, because I was an endurance you know athlete as well, so uh, trying to get bulk and girth to legs, just four o'clock in the morning for leg day, hack squats in oblivion, just, <laughs> I mean, just brutal. Just you brutal. look you really looked
0: incredible though oh, I, I must say I mean your shoulders and your chest and your arms and everything I, I, I was it was pretty striking I thought okay I'm, I'm gonna be interviewing this guy who's a pretty major cardiovascular uh, you know component although I know you're obviously strength trained um, that, that's certainly one of your five but I didn't expect to see that so uh uh-huh. yeah so let's let's move forward a little bit in 1983. So, you started getting into climbing, Yeah. and pretty seriously, right? Yeah, I or... feel like I need to give a shout
1: out to Roger Briggs at the time. He was my, uh, I went to Fairview uh, High School oh, in, in Boulder, Boulder. Mm-hmm. Uh, only my senior year. Uh, I was here at Durango up until then, and I got on the cross country team there. And Roger Briggs was, like, world-class technical rock climber and um, huge impact on my life in both running, but more importantly, probably, uh, rock climbing. And I still remember to these days taking off with a pair of rock climbing shoes in our hands from Fairview, and he, he and I would run into the Flatirons behind Boulder, Uh, Take off the running shoes and free solo these east faces of some of the flat irons and run back. And I just, man, I just thought that was like so cool. And nobody else was really doing that stuff. Rock climbing back 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 then then. was still very much a,
0: you know, avant-garde, lunatic Mm -hmm. fringe sport. But I loved it. So it sounds like you had a pretty, uh, life-changing event in 1983 while rock climbing. Yeah. Would you, would you, would you mind? Uh, attempting that? a winter
1: ascent of the Diamond on Long's Peak in Rocky Mountain National Park. Uh, listeners can probably Google that. You'll see a monolithic overhanging face. It overhangs the base, uh, by several feet. And it's all high altitude. It's a 14,000 foot peak, um... And we wanted to do a early winter ascent, ascent of the Diamond, very famous classic line. And it's a 13 mile, uh, seven miles into the peak and then climb the peak and then back out. So, yeah, we're talking a big effort. And uh, it's pretty easy climbing to Broadway, which is a big ledge about 400 feet I think above Chasm Lake in the base then I I was very confident um, back then in climbing and I eagerly uh, kinda free soloed up above Broadway and I had a I still had I felt confident enough that I had a little kinda backpack on and it uh, had two water bottle uh, on now The water bottles were special and played out to be a significant part. Uh, We actually used to steal the water bottles from the hospital because they're IV and they were made to be, you know, you can hook them to a beaner upside down and it's like perfect. I had two of those on the outside of the pack and I'm just kind of stemming up this, uh, you know, very steep kind of dihedral gully affair and... Uh, yeah next thing I know I'm falling 62 feet per second through the air a block carved out of the cliff about the size of half of a Volkswagen Beetle bug car and uh, I was literally you know still uh, my hands on the rock hurtling down Uh, Past my belayer, my partner, uh, Joe Black, saved my life. And so did the water bottles. When I impacted the wall 60 feet later, um, I had fallen below my belayer. And he looked down, and what he saw was, he thought it was my body, but a huge splash of water. So I think the... Because when I spoke to people that read like my natal charts, they kept saying water was like a really important thing in my life, and I'm like, no, I don't like water unless <laughs> it's frozen. Um, but I think that's what they were pinning that on. And uh, yeah, so, so I the think the water of bottle, those bottles yeah, as a,
0: yeah, wow, uh, yeah. So you're laying there. Woof, this is the middle I'm This is wintertime. Yeah, I'm
1: upside down, and uh, I couldn't move the left side of my body. And that's a really weird feeling, like, you know, I've been athletic, you know, my whole life up until then, and um, couldn't move left body. And this is where it kind of gets a little uh, hard to recollect. Um, I remember making it to Broadway, and of course, like any good story, out in the high mountains, an epic storm was starting to blow in from the east. And this is an east-facing peak, so... I'm on Broadway, we realize we're going to have to bivouac, we're going to spend the night on Broadway. And a humongous storm blew in. So I had been trained by some uh, Tibetan monks in certain Tibetan breathing practices of pranayama. And when I began kind of convulsing, uh, I just, I stayed on the little ledge. Joe put some sleeping bags around me, my sleeping bag around me and then I started to rock back and forth. I knew one internal lock that yogas use called Mula Bandha. So I engaged Mula Bandha. I knew I had to keep my internal heat because if I didn't do this, I'd be dead. So I engaged Mula Bandha, the root lock, and then I started to breathe Ujjayi breathing, which is this heat producing breath. Um, that brings it helps bring in transform regular air into prana so the life force so that's i started rocking darkness came and right in twilight i just remember looking out and it was like a sleet rain at first and it encased everything our climbing ropes everything in like a veneer of ice and i was like wow so this is how i'm gonna go this is how I'm going to go. And uh, that's where I kind of, how I managed to uh, wake up in the morning, how I managed to rappel down to Chasm Lake, then the big seven mile, you know, because there's no cell phones there. It had to be self rescue or die. And, and your
0: buddy Joe is with you. Yes. Okay. So Thank he, God. Yeah. Yeah. And, so
1: uh, I don't know. Um, I I'm sure he carried me at times. I'm sure I crawled at times. I'm just going in and out of consciousness that whole.
0: So, wow, uh, blessing you You even made it. But, but you get down, you get to a hospital, and you have a, what did you have? You had a broken pelvis and uh, a broken yeah. back?
1: I or? wish I had a broken pelvis. Um, I, had a, I had a broken fifth lumbar vertebra. I think if my pelvis would have broken, it would have been better because it just led to a lifetime of intense, such was the t- torque on my pelvic connective tissue that uh, yeah it's, it's just been a lifetime of kind of neural searing pain in the lower back uh, pelvic area so that degree of tension is still
0: in there and I still dance with it to this very day so Steve you went through all this I mean this again we're talking about 1983 yeah. right yeah. so we're talking 37 years ago I mean that's a that's a long time it's mind blowing. And you're, fifty? How old are you? i mean, fifty-eight. I was, okay, fifty-eight. And you're just a few years older than I. But here you are. You're continuing to do things now. I mean, where you're still at the top of your game, still getting onto these podiums. So let's let's move forward a little bit, because you went. You know, you had been doing, you know, some of the Nordic, uh, Nordic stuff and mountain climbing. But I mean, you've you've turned into, just this monster of a I mean triathlete, biathlete, quad athlete, um, you know, you continue to do all these things and you just uh it's it's amazing. Twenty three different sports?
1: I don't know. Uh, I, I do remember Outside magazine they were they were enraptured by me just because I just did things that, you know, I thought everybody kinda did. Sure. Yeah. You know, that liked to breathe and move. But yeah, they said uh Ilk has excelled in more sports than most of us will ever try. And I remember reading that, I'm like, that's really sad. I mean, you
0: guys should try is more there, sports. It's a <laughs> choice, right? Not that we're going to necessarily yeah. excel. A lot of times we, we pigeonhole ourselves into Absolutely. one or two sports. And, and I do believe
1: now. that is uh, because of an egoic, uh, where you start finding, especially if you're a kid, You know, trying to find a guy, you know, in particular back then, you know, you want to try to find your little groove, you know, and you start excelling in something, and then
0: your ego gets strengthened, Mm -hmm. and the last thing you're going to do is to put it away. You have a quote, if I may read this, I found it, I found it very interesting, and it is this, it says, sports performance is a byproduct of personal growth. We don't really train for sport performance... We train to live more integrated, balanced lives. Sport performance just comes along for the ride. Yeah, absolutely. That That's uh, that's pretty compelling. Do you want to expand upon that a sure. little
1: bit? Like, for example, just before this podcast, um, uh, I was honored to uh, do a three-part meditation for San Juan Basin Public Health, who's pretty much been... Phew, Guiding uh, our beautiful hamlet beneath the sacred peak here of Durango um, through the pandemic, and um, I really wanted to give back. And they approached me, and I was leading them through meditation today. And that is a, that's that's an example of people like really identify with my outdoor performance stuff. But what they don't see is the way lopsided hours of meditation, of yoga, um, of going within. And I think that's, you know, I think my longevity in sports performance is a manifestation of the wholeness um, bequeathed from holistic fitness. Uh, Yeah, there's no way I could be just doing outdoor sports all these decades. Uh, I would be injured a thousand times Mm -hmm. Over. I've never been injured by training. Um, I've been injured competing uh, and falling off of cliffs. But um, yeah, I really feel like the wholeness factor is what makes towing a start line just sacred and fun.
0: Yeah, I, re- I really like that. And you know, it's something I certainly need to work on more. And I would venture to say, and you would know much better than I, that most people who are athletes put so much time into the physical mm-hmm. part, all the hours and hours and hours of training, mm. um, whether that be strength training, cardiovascular training, and, or even flexibility, and they, they they forget about that spiritual component, the meditative pr- component, uh, which yoga can embody both, of course. Right. So I think that's... That's well, really I mean,
1: sometimes I feel like the universe will throw something your way to wake you up. Like, if, promise me, if you can't move the left side of your body, and then you will never, a day will, I mean, talk about lifelong motivation. You're going to freaking be so stoked that you can still move and still breathe, and I can still run with my daughter, and I mean, it brings tears in my eyes. I, I The way that people sometimes get obsessive about their sports, and mm-hmm. it's just really shallow spiritually, well... Hate to tell you, you gotta cultivate some depth, you know, some
0: mm-hmm. wholeness. So let's come back to the sport. I wanna, I wanna address. This is really fascinating to me. Um, I've never heard of anyone <laughs> in any sport or even group of sports, but you've been on the podium over two hundred times. Oh yeah, I, and I, 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 so for those listening that don't know what that means, and correct me if I'm wrong. That means you've either gotten first, second, or third in that particular event, correct? Sometimes
1: I'll count European podiums, fifth okay. place. But these okay. are
0: overall podiums, not overall. age groups. Yeah. Age groups would be like, I don't know, how many? I mean, so, I really, I, yeah, I kind of stopped counting at 275. I mean, it's, it's just it's just amazing. And and you're continuing to do this now. I won you're the overall
1: overpass uh, Pass Hill Climb, uh, yeah, October
0: 3rd, if that counts. Of this year. Yeah. Yeah, at 58 fifty. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, it's uh, it's just remarkable. Absolutely remarkable. Um, you know, to go back in time to, I guess it would have been, what, the early 90s when the internet started? I mean, you were one of the first. You really kind of pioneered online yeah, training. Yeah, I don't... There was nobody training.
1: doing that. I, I'm sure I was the first.
0: At least in America.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, there was just absolutely nobody doing that.
0: Which I, you know, I also want to talk about is the fact that, you know... You don't certainly just do this for yourself because you've coached and trained who knows how many people, hundreds if not thousands of people, um, as, a, as a professional trainer. So you've helped educate these other people in all these things that you've learned, yeah. uh, men and women around the United States. I don't know about the world, but I don't know if you, you do stuff star- yeah. across the entire yeah. world. So you're helping all of these people. Um, you're, you know, you've been featured in Men's Health. You've been in New York Times, Snow Country Magazine, um, as I mentioned earlier, Outside Magazine. And, uh, it's, it's just quite remarkable. Um, I don't know who said this, but they said you're one of the most, uh, world's most free-thinking and highly sought after.
1: Jerry Roach said that, I do believe. Um, Jerry Roach is? He was the third person ever to summit the highest peak on all continents wow i think he said that either that or my rock climbing
0: mentor uh pat ament maybe yeah okay steve you've got uh you've got books out th- how many books do you
1: have out there so uh first book outdoor athlete second book outdoor athletes training journal um Third, I got a book of poetry in there. And then we have uh, a couple of self-published books, I Imawa. Um We've got um, some cookbooks. And then the next uh, peer-reviewed reviewed book was Total Body... No, I'm sorry. Be Good Your Body Therapy by Abby Press. And then the most recent one, Total Body uh, Transformation by Hyperion Press. Okay.
0: Wow. So, man, kudos to you. Um, that, that's big stuff. And I know you have CDs out there and DVDs. Um, well, I don't, not anymore. they all, any, they're they're, all just that was links. back in the day. Yeah. They're all just links. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Not that anybody really uh, looks at those anymore, right? They just get on YouTube and... Go for it. Um, you've coached at the region... I don't know if... I, I don't think I already said this. Coach regionally, nationally, world. You've even coached some Olympic champions. Yeah. And is this... If we go back, is it safe to say that these are in what I call the five biggies out of the maybe 23 you've done, but run, bike, ski, climb, snowshoe, um, Yeah, am sure there's certainly some other the, ones in there.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, within each discipline, for example, cycling, um, I've been a two-time state champion in uh, road and on the overall podium in mountain biking state championships, so, yeah, within the different disciplines. But again, I always, as soon as I think I touch mastery or I'm satisfied with my dance with that particular sport, then I pull the plug switch on it. Switch gears? And I switch. Good for you.
0: But uh, almost, I really feel like that's what's kept
1: me healthy.
0: Uh, keeps you, keeps yeah. you healthy, keeps you hungry. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Um, and I know you've, you're helping, have helped, and continue to help uh, Dewa, your daughter, yep. and her teammates. Dude. I mean, they just did remarkably well. <laughs> Right. Okay, in the top three in the state.
1: Um, so we play, We took three girls to state. Uh, we finished third. Deva finished fourth, and then we had Ayumi, uh, Bryn. I'm sorry, was in third. Dave fourth. Ayumi was sixth. No, seventh. So.
0: I mean, that's pretty, pretty
1: cool. Yeah, pretty crazy.
0: That's that's fantastic. So what do you? You know, here you are. I I want to go back to something. I hear you and see you call yourself. A feeble ilk. Oh, yeah. And I find that interesting. I don't know if this is a psychological move no. uh, for your people. <laughs> you um, no. Maybe it's just a humility um, because you embody strength, strength from within, strength from without. Um, but yet you call yourself feeble, which really is the opposite. It is being weak and older and not able to do those things. But um, is that just part of your your humility or what, what makes you call yourself feeble? So I keep trying to find an even
1: more potent word than feeble because I feel like anyone who's done inner work on themselves, they realize the degree, the volume and the amplitude of, of our, you know, our negative habits our you know, our poor, uh, our tendencies of our minds to wander, uh, we're too attached. Uh, We're overly averted. I mean, if you just, you know, if you do the inner work, you realize you're just nothing. You're like this tiny little speck of cosmic dust, and there's a lot of work to do before enlightenment. So, to me, it absolutely rings true. Um, There's also another level to me calling myself um, feeble ilg, is it's a spiritual practice of mine to get rid of the I, me, and mine. Because when that moment comes, that and all of us are in this same condition, uh, we're not going to be able to take another inhale. So there is, there is no I, there's no me, and we can't take our possessions with us, so there's no mine. So yogis are trained to get rid of the I, me, and mine. And that's just baggage. So you'll see, those of you familiar, uh, especially my students, very rarely will Ilg refer to himself as I or me. So I use that third person as often as I can. It gets very awkward, but I have fun with it.
0: Well, now I know the rest of the story there. and I I think it's great because you've always been, I've known you for a long time, not um, real in depth. But you've always been very humble, and I, I especially appreciate that in a in a professional athlete like yourself. I think it's, it speaks volumes. Um. So what haven't you done? What haven't you accomplished that you really want to accomplish? Enlightenment. Um, pardon. Enlightenment. Enlightenment. From a, okay, and that's deep, obviously. Yeah. I mean, that's. But sport. Countless lives. In the head, you know? Uh Sport helps you take takes you there. Uh, oh yeah. They, I mean, they both obviously help one another.
1: Yeah. You can't you can't do spiritual work with the body of a weakling. It's not going to work. You gotta. The body is a manifestation of the mind. Your, your, how your body looks, how your body performs, it's nothing but your accumulated mind waves that are manifested. That's what the body is. The body follows mind, not vice versa. So. Yeah. Um, if your body isn't performing, if it's not looking the way you want, don't look at the body. you got to start with the mind. And that's why five noble fitness disciplines of uh, holistic fitness, the glue that holds them all together is meditation.
0: That's that's powerful. That's certainly something I need to work on. I'm, I'm assuming a lot of our listeners probably need to work on the same. Um, so... As far as the physicality side of it, is there anything you haven't accomplished that you want to? For instance, this year, do you have a goal this year, a, a particular race, a particular thing physically that you want to do that maybe you haven't done? Oh, Not absolutely. Well, what what, what uh, might that be?
1: Well, Corona kind of took everything <laughs> off the chart sure, there, sure. so it's. You know what's cool about Corona is you know the people that are so obsessed on racing and identify themselves with podiums and things, they're hurting, dude. There's, it's like there's nothing out there um, in the near future. And suddenly, it comes down to how much do you love your training, you know? It's, and uh, I absolutely love the day. I could train for the rest of my life and never tow another start line. What would hurt me is not seeing Dewa tow another start line because in my own life, when I've, done what it took just to get to a start line it's made me such a better person Mm -hmm. you know so i would hate to see racing you know never appear uh, in the human sphere again because that's what warriors are we tow you you know before this life we towed battlefields those were the start lines today the battlefield are, it's sports. Mm-hmm. And when you do what it takes to work on yourself, to toe that start line, you know, the race itself is that's a celebration. That's party time.
0: Yeah. You know? Well, and I know you, not just based on this conversation, but seeing you work out. And when I say workout, I mean both, you know, strength wise uh, with your yoga practices, with your cardiovascular work, and all those things. As you just mentioned, you'd be fine, not that you've seen a total enlightenment, but because of all, of everything that you've put in to your work, uh, and the attitude that you have, mm. you're going to find those ways mm. to to get your workouts in, to relieve stress, yeah. and yeah, that's uh, that's powerful. Nice. Well, Steve... Wrapping this up you know I just uh I want to thank you again for coming on are you kidding me? I think uh, <laughs> I think it's uh I think it's remarkable what you've done uh, maybe they'll make a movie out of your life someday that would be pretty neat um, Tom Cruise but, <laughs> but, <yeah. laughs> that yeah, no. that could very well happen you never know I mean you're truly a legend um, I know you don't think of yourself that way probably but you you really are and you know, obviously not just in this community, but around the United States and around the world. Um, again, to be able to do all of these different, um, you know, adventure races and be world-class in all of them is uh, is just remarkable. So kudos to you. I appreciate you. And maybe we'll get you back on here again. Uh, we'll get a, get a little further into maybe 2021 and... Uh, and, and see what happens, see what kind of races transpire. Post-COVID, baby. <laughs> I would like to say to anyone visiting
1: our precious town here, um, yeah, there's one gym in the four corners, and it's it's Don's gym. This place, I've owned my own gyms, I've managed gyms. Uh, this place, you know, I call gyms iron temples. And to me, it's a true temple here. Uh, you've done such a remarkably beautiful job providing such a great avenue for us to play in really it's a it's like a it's like a warrior's playground in here it's awesome so thank you
0: yeah absolutely my pleasure i appreciate you being here thank you for the kind words this podcast is brought to you by the popular books wellness toolbox one and two these books are available on amazon as well as at local durango colorado merchants purchase your copies today.